The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. Here he is, Brandon. Happy 60th birthday, Doctor Who. 60 years ago this week, the BBC aired An Unearthly Child, launching the longest-running science fiction program into existence. Two years before Dune was published, three years before Star Trek hit the air, this is a program that inspired and evolved the genre and audiences around the globe. And celebrating with me on this episode, we have, returning to the show, acclaimed author and audio (laughs) engineer from Big Finish, we love stories, Russell McGee. McGee, 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 Welcome uh, back, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Brandon. And it's obviously a Doctor Who fan. Yes. Uh, I, I don't, why do, I why don't, do you always dress like the fourth doctor around me when you're like, yeah, third's my favorite? Third is my favorite. But like, <laughs> I've got like the scarf and like, actually, my this was knitted for me. So okay. like, it, it's like not even it's based off the original pattern and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So. It's one of the cool things that I don't get to tout out very often. So you're getting to see this live now and it, it appropriate for the 60th anniversary. So gotcha. And we are post Oktoberfest, which as of us recording right now, my coverage from there is still not posted. I'm still I'm still waiting on the files to be sent to me. But Russell appears on that with a nice little interview. So you'll be hearing him then from the past. This is him post <laughs> that. We both had a great time. Um, we did. Look forward to doing it again. I, I I still think about what an unbelievable weekend that was. So it was a fantastic weekend. The big highlight for me was that last day, as far as Sunday, because mm-hmm. unexpectedly we got invited to actually hang out and just have dinner with Janie and Keith and Sophie Aldred, mm-hmm. and that was amazing. That was yeah. Just- <laughs> like I still like. That happened. Yeah, that, that was, did happen. No, that happened. I still am. Yeah, that was. Yeah, good. Um, a lot of pinball, uh, virtual yeah. pinball played that <laughs> night too. And uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, no, it was yeah, unbelievable. So hopefully we can do more of it uh, in the future because I had a great old time with Oktoberfest. If you haven't been to Oktoberfest, come next year. It's a really low stakes, low key, lots of fun uh, event. Like it's it's really friendly, like it's really friendly, <laughs> truly, <laughs> like, <laughs> truly about the fans and Janie and Keith really go above and be, go uh, go above and beyond just to try and make mm-hmm. sure that like you do have a really great experience there. Um, and they also invite a lot of vendors that are creating who related products. Yep. So it's it's not the norm. It's not just a, a convention. It truly is, as they say, a festival. Yeah, it has to be like she told me. She's like, yeah, it has to be Doctor Who. Like, if you're making, if you're a vendor, you got to have something Doctor Who, or you're not. Bomb to squat there. So, 
Yeah, and one of the cool things there is with our museum, uh, Sophie Aldred, uh, when she was here in, I think, 2017, created a small uh, prop TARDIS as far as out of uh, felt. And that's now on display there at the museum. And they both shared a story about that. And I got some lovely photos with them. And also, as Brandon knows, I'm working on something for WTIU where we're going to air an interview that we did with them. Yeah. Look forward to that. Will that be online at all or just? It will be. It will be. And there's there's going to be a little bit more that we'll actually put online that um, will go beyond what you'll actually see on Journey Indiana. So you'll mm. get a little bit more. So sweet, <laughs> I look yeah. forward to that. Uh, all right, so Russell, I were like we we went through like I went through this because you want to you know like let's do something for the 60s, and I had I was glad I was glad you did that <laughs> because I had a back like. May or something I was thinking about. What am I going to do for Doctor Who's 60th? And I had a more ambitious plan that I'm glad that once you said something to me, I'd like, I left that idea because I was like, where <laughs> was I going to have the time for this shit? So, <laughs> uh, well, I was like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We talked about doing the anniversary thing. I did yeah. at PopCon, uh, when I did my show, we covered anniversary kind of stuff uh, over the years. And but I was just like, what can we do? What can we do? And something just light easy on the listener tougher for us when we oh, cram very much very very tough for us <laughs> but what we decided to do like we love doctor who we we slobber about it all the time we tell oh, i love it because of this of this <laughs> but we're gonna go through and we are going to go doctor to doctor and pick our three favorite stories of this moment because things change <laughs> i was like this, i'm like that could change tomorrow because it changed from yesterday to today our favorite three favorite stories from each of the doctors we may have the same we have not conferred this no we before, haven't so it's yet. gonna be surprised to each of us now uh i'm sure we've made our own stipulations and rules for our picks and stuff too uh but and i'm for for sure for you the listener I'm sure this is an easy recognition. I agree. He's wrong. <laughs> you forgot such and such kind of fun. That's good. And perhaps it's a guideline, though, for people or advice, or maybe I need to have another look at that one because the way they talk about it was not the way I felt. Mm. Nonetheless, fun. That is the thing because I always have fun with Doctor Who and I'm excited yes. to just talk more about it. Now, Russell, do you want to go just one, two, three, or do you want to like spin a wheel and <laughs> go with no that. and i i mean oh i get you and yeah i i, I have them listed chronologically i do and, too yep and All on right. top of that i also listed it by like what i think as far as story order as far as that okay. i think but that's me all right let's go in order then let's go back to 1963 uh one day after the loss of our United States President, John F. Kennedy, which is always the weird trivia thing. I did a trivia thing at work this year, and I did a Brad Pitter lasers round, which is a which came first type thing. And I had the JFK assassination, uh, JFK assassination or the premiere episode, the premiere of Doctor Who on BBC, and it's like literally hours apart. <laughs> because right. of the, so it's crazy. So people are like, "Oh wow!" And they uh, had to rebroadcast that first episode as a result too. So, yeah, in a rare instance because they didn't yeah. re do reruns, so they rebroadcast it because the ratings were down because everyone was paying attention to Kennedy, and uh, that's what happened. 
All right, we are in the first Doctor, played by William Hartnell. Yes, it all started out as a mild curiosity in the junkyard. And now it's turned out to be quite a, a quite a great spirit of adventure, don't you think? This is the, the original. <laughs> Should we just act like this? Uh, what are your thoughts? Real quick, thoughts on William Hartnell as the Doctor. He's obviously not either of our first Doctors, even though he's the first Doctor. No, but I, I I do have a fondness for Bill Hartnell. Um, frankly, like for me, and I, you know this because we've talked about it, but I, I like the historical. So I like mm-hmm. the roots of like the first doctor and what the show in general is doing early on here. Cause it was made for kids. Not that it isn't now, but like, it was made for kids and they were still trying to teach the audience about historical figures. Mm-hmm. And I found that really interesting and what a wonderful way to do it with time travel. So I think Bill Hartnell and what he brought to actually bring this show to life along with William Russell and um, Jackie and Susan um, or Caroline Ford um that cast that cast really did an amazing job of actually making this something that we still treasure today yeah i i think like the first doctor if i'm like if someone's like order your doctors and favorites i usually have him lower but it's not so much it's not that like i always think of this as a cast i always think of it as like the doctor Ian, Susan, and Barbara, or then Vicky, because that that group when Ian and Barbara's there and it's that full group, it's a good ensemble. Uh, and watching them all invigorate and interact with each other or the people in the story, uh, I always I always see it like that. Um, it doesn't really become Hartnell. You don't really f- feel like you focus on Hartnell till it gets down to like Stephen and him and Do- like it's. You know, I mean, it it until it, like till it's not a four person TARDIS, then it starts to feel like okay, he's a little more involved and stuff. But um, he is quite good because you go back and you're like, yeah, yeah, I get it, I get it. I've even it, I've actually looked at some of his films outside of Doctor I, Who as well. Yeah, I've seen yeah, very different uh, yeah. performer than than what he brings to Doctor Who, and he wears a wig. That's a funny yep. thing. It's a really good wig because. I I it, it took forever. I'm like, oh, that's not when you see the behind the scenes photos. Like, oh, that's not his real hair. Because I don't know. I think it's a really good wig. Television production was different back then. You got a couple takes. You got whatever. So Hartnell uh, in his old age and stuff. There's a lot of line misreadings with him that people kind of giggle at and stuff like that. And he he calls Ian by the wrong name a lot, um, either by intention or accident. But there's a lot of mistakes that. Um, I don't know, like, because a lot of people will, will like, oh, that grumpy old man or something like that. But I think, <laughs> you know what? He's probably just the guy that they just, you know, he might have had his best take when everybody else had their worst. And they're just like, well, you're, we're going to have to go with this because it was television. The television production here was kind of live esque with the cutting right. and stuff during their time. They had to map out things. They had pre shoots and all sorts of things. It was, it's, I love hearing, reading, and watching people discuss the old BBC television production system. Like, it's it's fantastic. Because like, In way regard to what you're talking about yep. there, Brandon, like, one of the stories, and I don't know 100% if this is true, but one of the things that uh, has been said is that if he did really mess something up, 
Uh, Bill was known for cursing to mm-hmm. force them to do a retake. Right. Yeah, yes. Yeah. 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 True. Do you have a Do you have a favorite companion of the first Doctor at all? I I honestly think I would have to say still uh, Barbara and Ian. I mean, yeah. I, I like Susan, but Susan, I think they could have still gone further with Susan, and we didn't quite get there during the show. Right. Uh, I think uh, Vicky kind of gets that aftermath of yep. like what could have been with Susan, a little bit more interesting. Although Susan's iconic looking, like she's uh, oh, of course, especially she's, on Earthly uh, Child, like you get yeah. that otherworldliness from yeah. her. She's a yeah unique presence that I just like yeah it feels good and they they you know that sixties clothing they put on her like looks yep. really cool but yeah I would say Barbara probably uh, for me as well okay so let's dive in would you like to go uh, with your first pick are you doing them in an order or just here's my three um how would you like to do this sir I I you just do them in an order you don't have to rank oh I actually do have them ranked oh you do have them ranked I okay. do have them ranked all right sorry um so. And I, I can say this that because uh, like this is one that I consistently can actually go back and watch over and over again. Mm-hmm. And there's honestly only a few stories like that throughout the show's history. Mm-hmm. And so for me, Dialects Invasion of Earth is like a huge one um, that I can just watch over and over. And I honestly like it even better than the original dialect story that yep. Terry Nation had had written. Um, I think here there's more diversity, and that's partly because of the locations. But like the story just seemed to be a lot more sprawling, and for me that made it a lot more interesting. Absolutely, absolutely. That's a good. That one is my fourth. That did just didn't make because I was like, <laughs> I don't know what it was, but I was like, I kind of went with the tightness of some of the other ones i picked but that is a great one like and this is the first time that doctor who's like okay we're going outside yeah we have money now we're popular we know people are going to tune in for another (laughs) dalek story so we're going outside and it just it's a cool story and it lent itself to a good film too i like the second peter cushing movie we've discussed that um lends itself there too yeah that dialect coming out of the water, man, that's a yeah. classic shot. That is good, yeah. Whether they come up the water or fly up the stairs, it's it's always a woo. <laughs> so, How about you? What, which is your first, good sir? All right. So my number one uh, is the Time Meddler, which uh, matches up with a lot of people. But this is a really kind of like dark story. And then it, it introduces like an uh, antagonist Time Lord for yep. it where he's going around and messing stuff up whereas the doctor is always preached we're observing we're helping we're needed we might have to fix something but these could be the things that they're fixing where this guy's going this meddling monk and it's a cliffhanger to show like you know he's got a TARDIS he's a character that they just it's funny he comes back in the Dalek master plan but never again like and it's weird that this guy did not get tapped uh, as much as they wanted to bring with Time Lords, or even in any of like the later, like John, you think John Nathan Turner might have brought him back because he was very into the history of Doctor Who, uh, or like the new series never touched the Medlar. Not yet. He's, he's going to show yet. up in the Wild Blue Yonder, uh, but yeah. So, and, and, and there's some Vikings. It's it's Doctor Who with the Vikings. Uh, Stevens coming to be in the story, mm, and very much get, so. We get to see Vicky taking the reins of like 
senior companion and helping Steven around. Um, there's some there's some dark stuff happening in this one too. It's very much a trying to push the limits of a kids television show at the time. Uh, it's the season two uh, finale as well, and it's got a cool ending with Steven, Vicky, and the Doctor looking in space with a monologue going too. So I'm I'm pretty high on this one. It's a tight story for back then. Um, and it's a dark story, and there's a nemesis like that. A, a doctor, doctor, he's got his. It wouldn't happen until the master, but this is the closest we get to a Moriarty at this time, um, which right. is what they're going for. Right, and and I would say just for anybody out there that the monk does come back multiple times in Big Finish audio, mm-hmm. so the character has been used again since since this time period. Yep, um, and. Just to just to bounce off you, this is actually my third choice here. There so we go. So I'm yeah, right there okay. with you. Yeah. So what yeah. do you have to say about the monk? We'll jump to you. So this is what we'll do. If we have the same, we'll be like, all right. Well, this is my number. This, and we'll we'll talk about yeah. it there. So no, I, I love the monk. I also love the ending of this uh, story because of the fact that like the way the doctor traps the monk in his own TARDIS. Yeah. With yeah, the the um. The dimensional stabilizer, I think, is that right? Mm-hmm. It's been yep. a bit since, yeah. So he removes that, and then the monk is trapped in his own TARDIS. Um, and going back to like what you said, the thing that really separates the monk is he's really meddling and trying to change history for what he thinks is is the the best or better. Um, like there, there's he even talks to the doctor about how he like helped the Britons moved the stones for Stonehenge and everything and bragging, bragging about that. Just like Halloween three. Yep. (laughs) But yeah, no, yeah, it's, it's cool. It's devious stuff. And it's like, yeah, it's very, very much. I I love in this time where there's the curiosity and doctor who will do this, uh, where it's like, well, what if that's there because of blah, 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 you know, like, trying to like explain happenings on earth or legends and stuff and making and tying right. them into Doctor Who in a clever way, not a not a heavy handed way, but like a a sort of way like there's a story that's gonna show up in my top for another doctor that has a sort of instance like that. It's also interesting because it is a historical, but this is one of the first instances where it deviates from being just a pure historical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we get, as you said, a villain. Yeah, that that's like otherworldly and wouldn't be of that time period. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, since that's my yeah, <laughs> since that's since we have two of yours off the board, I'll go to my number two now. Cool, uh, which is the Aztecs uh, from mm. season one, uh, and this one, this is a historical. Yeah, uh, this is the this is the first one, or this is after Marco Polo, so they've had Marco Polo at this point, but this one, um, I always liked because it challenges what they're doing. It's the first instance of, uh, you know, cause Barba gets mistaken as this, uh, goddess or reincarnate. And she thinks she can get rid of sacrifice through this, uh, right. Aztec tribe. And doctor, the doctor's like, eh, we don't do that. No, we don't. And this is the first head on of like, why can't we make a difference with history? We do this, this, and and then the doctor's actually devious in this one and trying to like because Ian has to be put to a battle with a guy and he tells the other guy this is how you beat Ian 
and things like that. So it's kind of a, a devious thing. And there's some humor laid out. Like they would do a more comedic take on this with the Romans in the next season. But I really just ideologies go far with me. Like I big ideas, even if they uh, don't get executed well, or if they do, I always am high up on and and making excuses for things because you you had a great idea and I see it and I know what you're doing and I I always give big props for idea uh, big ideas like this where they and this is early on so this this is not, we can't change time but if you go back to 1963 and the start of Doctor Who and this kind of questions being asked this is this leads to things like do I have the right in Genesis of the Daleks starts here with these kind of questions and this is kind of real science fiction uh happening here rather than just like just the notion of time travel or just like aliens this is kind of a science fiction-esque uh dilemma that happens here no and and long before paul mcgann with the the kiss with grace Mm -hmm. that everybody goes on about is uh the doctor actually has a fiance in this story yes he does (laughs) so there don't was let, don't let Queen Elizabeth know. <laughs> Little love interest for the doctor here. Um, this is actually my fourth kind of like uh, dialogue invasion mm-hmm. of Earth was was your fourth. So I, I still it was up there high for me. Gotcha. Gotcha. OK, so you have one more left. Yes, good, sir. And this is going to be no surprise to you because you mm-hmm. know me well at this point. Um, Marco Polo, my friends. And that's like up there as far as like. Of all the stories that could be returned for me, that's the one that I want to see back more than any other. That was like I, my last second to last cut was a yeah Marco Polo. <laughs> but again, just again, it's a pure historical. Uh, the the gang gets hauled off because of the fact that the TARDIS is is taken away by Marco Polo, and is going to be actually then offered to. Uh, is it the Kubla Khan? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. There. Yep. 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 So offered to the king. Um, and Marco is hoping that that would then allow him to finally be able to go home to Italy. And so there's this, again, it's a, uh, it's a large sprawling story. And even with the telesnap reconstruction, it just, it looks amazing. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, even it one cooks. episode. One episode I would right. love to be able to see. The one without the telesnaps, please. <laughs> the one where they go in the cave, the creepy cave. That oh, one, right. They, that's the only one. But like with Marco Polo, the, the, the it cooks. Like the first two episodes kind of have a little bit of repetitiveness to it, but they're still it's still interesting in an, in an exploratory fashion there, so it doesn't really matter in my eyes. Um, but that one, that one sings. That one moves. It's... It's ah, the singing really sands. Yes, the singing sands. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I really liked. I would love for this one to come back. It looks like a beautiful production. Um, or maybe we're all been over hyping it for so many years because we can't because we were teased it was coming back and then it's not back. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, this one is so good. Um, and that was like I was, I was like, ah, historical is it this or the Aztecs? But there's the question I like in the Aztecs. Uh, so much uh, that I had to edge Marco Polo out, but no, and I I absolutely love the Aztecs, and mm-hmm. both of them are, are written by John Lucarati. So like I'm right there with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then here's a small bit of trivia for you and everybody else at home: mm-hmm. is the 
with the doctor playing backgammon, the story that I wrote for Big Finish. I'm I made sure there's a backgammon board in the background. Just so oh wow, okay, yeah, yeah. There's a reference about gotcha. that. Gotcha, gotcha, cool. Um, I do want to say I forgot to mention one of my stipulations when I made these mm. was these were some of my picks were not necessarily. I don't know. I didn't have, I I didn't have time to go back and watch eight hundred and some episodes of Doctor Who before this. I no, know, I'm lazy. No, but I I pick based on stuff I've gone back to more frequently and stuff that stuck that I've thought about more frequently. Might there might be ones I actually like better or something, but these are the ones that stuck with me. And I also ruled out multi Doctor stories. I wanted to keep it true to the Doctor themselves that was there. So there will be no multi Doctor stories from me. Um, You've got one for me. That's doctors. it. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but yeah, so that's how I, I kind of went about my decisions. So for my last one for the first doctor is uh, the arc. So congratulations, Dodo. You don't make a lot of people's lists, but you made this one because I love this story. This mm. is such a freak. It's a half and half. And this is another science fiction concept thing because uh, in this one, for those unfamiliar... Dodo, Stephen, and the Doctor, they, the TARDIS uh, appears on a ship. It's like an arc in space. Oh, that would get used uh. later. Uh, but <laughs> there's the humans, and then there's this like servitude-type aliens. What are they called? The, the eye? Um, I don't remember, and I, I don't take my mul- blue card away. Mul- they're like a <laughs> monk. Yeah, uh, sorry. I thought uh, it started yeah. with an M as well, but starts with an M. Uh, but Dodo has a cold, and like people start getting sick there. Steven gets sick there. They go on this trial. Uh, they they introduce just a cold, but they're not immune in this future. These humans uh, and the doctor and Dodo and Steven leave, and they show up seven hundred years in the future in the same arc, but. <laughs> That cold wiped out most of humanity, and those servitude things are now this like evil empire against humans, and they have reversal. role reversal. And like I, the, one of the best cliffhangers is when they show up and they see the statue of one of them, and like what happened. And that's one of my favorite Doctor Who cliffhangers of all time. And they have to teach the they have to bring them back together as equal partners in it which is a very uh it's doctor who thing but it'd be a very yeah. star star trek thing instead of violence you you sit and talk it out but um i'm a big fan of the story because of that like i i think it's well done uh i think dodo's fine in here um but yeah i really like this is a cool science fiction concept um plus like actual science health here uh and the 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 the, the the monster guys are pretty creepy too, with the one eye and the, the moppy yeah. hair thing. Like, kind of cousin. No, it's a, it's it, a like, good but, '60s monster. You're right. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, big on the arc. Uh, so yeah, those are my three. Uh, I I had a lot to go through. I will mention that the first part of the Edge of Destruction is mm. cool. It is very cool. Creepy. It is like Susan going. Like it is. Yeah. It is that unintentional British creepiness that is just extra creepy by method of how they their style and technique. Just and it it was a filler episode because yeah. it wasn't originally scheduled, and it was and 
It was almost the final episodes of Doctor Who because that was the original order. And, and you're right. Like, and the the way they also turn on each other because of like what happens. It it's again. It's there's high stakes. It's mm-hmm. it's fun to see how the characters then interact yeah. because they're also still very fresh as far as as the TARDIS crew. So they don't right. know each other very well yet. Yeah, exactly. They there's a lot to go through there. Um yeah. and I will say I the Dalek Master Plan, that's a very big favorite. It's missing. We have three episodes from it. I think the first half of that is fantastic, but somewhere after the Feast of Steven kind of loses some steam for me. So if people are like, Well, the Dalek Master Plan, I'm like, maybe if I actually got to see it, but I think the first half is so good, and then I think it gets off what is after that so i love the whole chase and in, in the pyramids and everything there mm. but i would say i would argue that like once you get back to like episode 11 and 12 with the time destroyer mm-hmm. the stakes yeah. come back and it it's a really mm-hmm. solid story yeah yeah there's a middling there but it, it brings it back and sarah kingdom's death is haunting like yeah. that's some creepy stuff uh for, which I, for I really like her to die there, uh, what's her name from the Myth Makers? She dies in that because she gets doesn't pulled. Die. Not Vic. No, the no. Oh. Vicky, Vicky leaves the Myth Makers. They bring what's her name? Vic. Oh, you're right. You're right. Sorry, sorry. I forgot she about dies, that. You're right. And yeah. then Sarah Kingdom dies. Which thank you because I always consider Sarah Kingdom a companion, and I know that's a debate, but she is there for adventures, multiple yep. adventures because there's multiple adventures within the within one dialogue yeah. master plan. Yep. Yep. And she's in the first ever Doctor Who Christmas special. So there we go. All right. Any more on the first Doctor? Um, Do we want to touch on what Bill said as far as if anybody were to replace him? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, he already thought very highly of Pat Troughton Mm -hmm. and that they had even worked together. And he felt that if anybody were to be able to actually uh, move the show forward, that Pat was the only actor that could do it. So, the second Doctor, Patrick Troughton. Woo! Because there is something evil here, and we must stay. Evil? Don't be daft. Evil is what I meant. There are some corners of the universe which have bred the most terrible things. Things which act against everything that we believe in. They must be fought. Could call him the missing Doctor, because... A lot of his so many of his stories, yeah. So many of his stories are missing. So he takes over in the middle of season four, which is the uh, season four includes the smugglers, which I believe was shot in the same block as the end of season three. And then, so the only thing when they come back to shoot, they shoot the 10th planet, which is kind of mm-hmm. how they do because the Dalek invasion of Earth was shot in the season one block, if I'm correct, right. I don't I don't know those details. I think I'll be I honest. think it was at the end of that. That's how they kind of shot them. It was weird cuz Doctor Who aired like year round back then almost. Cuz there's a lot of like seasons are like 40 to 45 episodes at this time. That um, also goes into like what you were talking about as far as like it has more of a live feel. They were just mm-hmm. they were having to run and gun. They didn't have a lot of time. So mm-hmm. like they they needed to get it is in the can as fast as they could. Yeah. Uh, yes. So in the can and into our 
TVs and our now Blu-rays. Uh, <laughs> so second doctor, what do you have here, Russell? Okay, and I, I, I'm sure a lot of fans will agree on this. Number one for me is Tomb of the Cyberman. That is my number two. But yeah, the the thing there, my friend, is, and you already, again, you know this about me. I'm like a huge like horror sci-fi fan outside of even Doctor Who. So like this definitely also has a feel of like one of those '50s, '60s like movies um, Mm -hmm. that. I'm very fond of and like even the music in it that they use um is just it's just amazing. Oh, that and one like, has a yeah, it has a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the score in there. Um I think it's Tristam Carey, if I'm remembering correctly, mm-hmm. that they they had work on that. I'm not don't don't hold me to that. I could be wrong. Um but that that score and then just the whole idea of it being an archaeological dig and then them unearthing the tomb. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the idea also, which was interesting and new, uh, of the Cybermen being frozen. And yeah. that, that's how they actually revived them is, you know, it's, it's kind of a cryogenic type of freeze so that they can be in stasis. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't know. I don't know in sci-fi if that had been explored before as an idea, um, but I just think that this is a really nice, intense uh, story, and the way that they treat everything, even with the cybermats, um, it just the tensions and stakes. And there's that wonderful monologue that um, the second doctor has with Victoria where he just, you know, checks in with her, sees how she's doing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause she's fresh off her father being killed. Yeah. Yeah. Poor yeah. girl went from Daleks to Cybermen right away. <laughs> no. So this, this one is top, top of the line. Second mm-hmm. doctor for me. So this is, this is in my number two. Um, this was a, classic uh super hyped up missing story that got returned and um i imagine lived up to the hype uh and i wasn't i wasn't knee deep in doctor who when it got returned back in the day but there are from hong kong right there are certain doctor who stories that feel like a perfect storm of like just watch this one you know like yeah Tomb of the Cyber. Here's a classic monster. You don't need to know their origin or anything. You can go into this. Just it, it works. It's only four parts, which a lot of these, a lot of the old ones, you can feel if you're not used to TV back then or don't understand what's how it's structured or how it was meant to be watched and stuff. New user friendly might struggle or younger audiences might not understand that. But this one just boom, four parts really self-contained really good character stuff in the middle um lots of cool easy to follow subplots and just monster movie goodness that happens here this is just a perfect storm of like yeah this one just check just check this out you're gonna have fun (laughs) even if you don't like doctor who i think this works for you if you're going back for something 60s black and white i think this works for you even if you don't like doctor who so yeah, Tube and the Cybermen, thumbs up. That's a that's a very good one. Um, I like it. What's, what's your number one, sir? My number one is the Mind Robber. Um, this number is, two. There you go. So okay, yeah. <laughs> whoop, whoop, whoop. 
This one gets into my wheelhouse of what I love doing when my doctor who gets super ideological, metaphysical, all this weird, like, I don't know if I can explain everything, but man, is it a trip to experience and watch and think about. Like, if it's got my brain thinking and these trippy sequences, this starts out with a trip. This one, so one of the, I believe it is that the Crotons, is that what, or the, oh no, the, the uh, Dominators. Dominators. Yeah. They took an episode away from that and threw it onto like the time or whatever here. So they kind of like with the shortest episode ever of Doctor Who happens in the Mind Robbers, part five. It's like 19 minutes long because they were like, we don't have enough here for all this. So they add what the, the first episode is not what this was intended to do because it's just this white room stuff, but it's super effective. It is. The robots, it's, it's spooky. Oh. And and the robots. That's sorry. Little side note, but they're mm-hmm. they're actually taken from another TV show. Yes. You, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Out, yeah. Out of the unknown. Yes. I. Um. But yeah, it's got Jamie. They switched. J- Fraser Hines needed. A, he got his vacation. So that one of the things that's fun with the '60s Doctor Who is vacations and time <laughs> off and ho- well, holiday. That's what they call it. Uh. So people would get a week off and they'd be written out of Doctor Who. And they couldn't do that with Jamie in this one, so they had the story lent itself to doing crazy stuff. So Jamie just becomes a different person for an episode uh, or two. Is it one or two? I think it might just be one episode. I can't remember if it's one or two. One or two. But uh, yeah, so this goes in this weird land of stories and stuff, mm. and it's just it's just imagination unfolding in the only way a cheap '60s television could do. For goodness, and people. I think there's a lot of talent here because under the wrong hands, this could have been dull, boring, not worked. Um, to me, this is a better version of like Celestial Toy Maker, uh, where this kind of like just doesn't like room to room to room. This kind of naturally flows, progresses from different ideas of zaniness. Uh, and I just really like this story. Like, this is just a trip story to watch. Like, this could be a story that almost works with, like, a isolated score track or something because I think it's that effective. Um, so, yeah, I I dig The Mind Robber quite a bit. Um, and this is a Zoe story, too. This is uh, her second one after becoming – because Wheel in Space is her first and the Dominators, and I believe they come here for The Mind Robber, which – this is a story unto it's like this it sits alone with only a few other stories. I think every doctor at least has one story kind of in the mind robber wheelhouse. And the celestial toy maker would probably be the first doctors for sure. No, but I'm 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 right there with you with mm-hmm. the mind robber. I love that they go into the world of fiction and you even have essentially uh Gulliver from Gulliver's Travels yeah. as a companion for like yeah. a large portion of, of the story. Um, it's also interesting because they at first don't know what's going on, but like Gulliver's actually using lines from the book and everything to talk to them. So, mm-hmm. um, that was just an interesting idea as far as how they deal with that. Um, the Minotaur, um, what I can't remember the superhero's name right off. Do you know? I can't know. Um, and yeah, this is my favorite story of uh, Doctor. <laughs> one of my all-time favorite Doctor Who stories. But you know, can't it's hard. It's hard to keep up. This is a lot of history. Sixty no, years, and, you, and we've both made the pilgrimage. We've seen everything. I think I've yep. seen everything maybe twice. But one time I went all the way through. But other yep. times it's been, and I think inadvertently because I I I had a phase. I think during like lock uh, like COVID lockdown, I watched all the recons again. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I did that, but it's so, it's a tough. Um, that's actually where I started. Is like what you said as far as um, I honestly, and I would recommend this for anybody starting out that isn't sure about how to get into the classic stories. Mm-hmm. Is like if they like the dialects or the Cybermen. Dive in, just explore those stories. It will help you get in and it'll be a, a good through point. So you get introduced mm-hmm. to those doctors and companions. And then you might find other things that you like from that. Yeah. When's the best time to jump into Doctor Who? Now. <laughs> or or pick, you know, a new doctor is about to start with Shudi Gatwa. Right. Join him for his adventure. Or be like, well, I like that David Tennant fella. You should probably yeah. start with Eccleston, but um, <laughs> start with him. Start with Matt Smith. Start with, you know, start with Tom Baker. Start with, you know, the, whoever, pick one and go, and everything will fill out the rest. And you and can just always have go fun, back. As Brandon said, just have fun because that's mm-hmm. that's really what it's all about. Yeah. And you'll you'll fall in love with this. You'll go back. You can, it, it's, it's such a bouncy thing. And, and so much, Doctor Who has so much flavor, style, eras. That's what I like about, like, you know, Taylor Swift has eras, but Doctor Who has eras, too. So Swifties, Doctor Who might be for you. And one thing, like, <laughs> I know we'll get into it, but one thing that John Nathan Turner was criticized was for making his Doctor Who two of its era. But now I'm grateful he did no, because I it stands it. out. I Because it stands out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so uh, third Patrick Troughton, what was your number three? We We have agreed on two of them in different spots, but... Well, uh, you you already know this because we we did talk about this ahead of time. Mine is War Games, and mm-hmm. um, actually, this is and I'm going to preface this because this being a ten episode story, it it is a long trek to get through. But it um, the complexity as far as they at first think that they're arriving in what is it World War One? Yeah, World War One zone. Um, and so they think they're in the middle of the war there, and then they find out there's a lot more that's going on to this. And like in the uh, the time meddler, we later on find out that there's another time lord here, and not only has he been meddling, but he actually has given time lord technology as far as right. with the TARDISes, um, to help with uh, the war. F- uh, the warlord so the war chief is the time lord mm-hmm. and so they've actually devised all these different separate war zones where they have warriors from all different times and yeah. they're basically trying to create the best army that they can to then take over the entire universe right and um the 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 warlord doesn't know that the war chief is planning to like basically backstab him and take over um because that's that's his own design is to actually go ahead and rule the universe right um, very very uh mavic chen as far as that goes <laughs> <laughs> but um no it's it's just a wonderful story uh again you get nice also um characters that are just um you know i don't know incidental <clears throat> excuse me incidental characters that come in and then help out with the doctor and the companions here that are mm-hmm. really cool and it just makes for an interesting story it's good and it's a another p 
peer into the history of like, the Time Lords, and it's a really creepy. This one meets a really creepy ending to a Doctor. Like this is a really because it's a regeneration story. The forced regeneration. The forced regeneration. Yeah, the yeah. second one's forced. Before we even know, like this is just kind of a thing. Like it's forced. It's done effectively. Jamie and Zoe have their minds wiped. And, and also the doctor, like the doctor has to actually call on the time Lords. And this is the first time he calls on them or like really, really talks about them in any mm-hmm. real depth um, because he's out of his depths here. Yeah. He can't solve this. So he, he needs to call in backup for help. And in doing so, he knows that he's going to basically potentially lose his ability to be able to travel in time and space. It's the original trial of a time lord, um, yep. and Troughton's great when he's pleading and doing like his like he is a magnificent uh, performance in this one. Like uh, yeah, war games, yep. good stuff. Um, my third one, if you if you picked his end, I picked his beginning. Power of the Daleks. <laughs> I had to include a missing episode story in mine, and this is one of my favorite Dalek stories. This one's yep. creepy. This one meets a dark, grisly. Has it the final episode and stuff with the aftermath of everything, and uh, we have this in animated form. That's good. Um, this is one I, I really like. Polly in the story, even though she gets sidelined for a bit, uh, she's got some good stuff to do. Um, I like the setting of this. From what I can like, I would love to see one of these episodes because the set and yeah. stuff looks kind of creepy. And um, I am your servant. servant. Yeah, because <laughs> they they bring back the Daleks. Uh, yep. with a new doctor's face and stuff, so it's an immediate challenge of will they recognize him? And this is apparently after the Daleks are gone, and like, oh, we're kind of just you know, look, we can make them servants and stuff like, and it backfires on this planet completely. Um, well, it, it's a double thing because Ben and Polly have to be up against this, and also like, do we trust this new doctor? Like, who is this guy? Like, what are we? Yeah, what are we doing here? So it's the first time. Uh, with that as well, but I, I really, from the animation to the recon to just the audio uh, to the score in this one, I just, I really, I really dig this one, and I would love to have this story back in real form. This is one of my top ones that, even though it's been animated already, I'd love to have like at least half of it back, or <laughs> well, one, let's say one, and and people like. I know the Tenth Planet Four is like the highly sought after one, but yep. man, I would maybe take. <laughs> Power of the Daleks to see the first performance of Patrick Troughton because right now the earliest performance we have of him is the Underwater Menace Two, and that's yep. two whole stories have been told uh, before that. So uh, that's my third one. Um, I love Patrick Troughton's era. Like I that's for the sixties. Like I don't know what it is. I love watching the guy be the Doctor. I know there's a lot of base under siege repetitiveness, but you can kind of pick a Patrick Troughton story and go. A lot of the time, um, there's so get- many good monsters that are introduced here yeah. too. Like you get the Ice Warriors. Um, you get himself as Salamander. Um, oh, right, right, right. The, the Cybermen the become world. his nemesis. Tobias Vaughn with the Cybermen is oh, a cool thing. In- Paco. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I I just really I really like the guy's era. I I don't know what it is. Like Evil of the Daleks is great. I like the faceless ones a lot. That one was yeah. in consideration for me. Um, Fury from the Deep. Like it's just all these like great things. I guess in a the monotonous Yeti. vibe. The Yeti. Yeah. The great. Yeah. Great intelligence. Yeti. Great yeah. Intelligence. It is. 
I like his era a lot. I like Jamie's cool companion. Jamie uh, is brilliant. Jamie's Fraser good. Hines is amazing. Yeah. And I, I really, the only companion of his, I really was just like, eh, is Ben. And that's kind of not Michael Crazy's fault. Cause he basically got replaced while he was still acting on the show. Um, I think Polly's got some good stuff to, to do. Um, Victoria's fun is always fun. I, I really, I just, I, I enjoy the Patrick Trouton era. This was a tough one to pick three from, um, because every I think I'm like, oh, that's a fun one. Oh, that's fun. That's that's fun too. That's it's it's hard for me to to really go through. I mean, there's a couple of them. When you get to season six, it's sort of running out of gas, but still hits the highs. Like the highs are high and the lows, are, but um, just like the mind robber comes out of that. Seeds of death, yep. war games, invasion. But you also got like the dominators, the crotons, the space pirates. So. But those people swear that that space pirates, the day it's found, people are gonna come around on the space pirates. So we'll <laughs> see then. But, um, but yeah. So that is the the second Doctor. So now the first and second Doctor, Doctor Who magazine has recently done a poll of as they do per Doctor what the best ones are. So uh, for them, the first Doctor uh, Russell, they have the Dalek invasion of Earth, just like you. Uh, they have the Time Meddler at number two and Dalek Master Plan at number three. Mm. Aztecs Falls at four, Marco Polo at seven. Uh, so they have the Ark at 20. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. But the, I agree with you. The Ark is a very solid story. Mm hmm. I like that one. There's stuff in there that I'm like, okay, well, whatever. Uh, the Second Doctor, they have the War Games at number one, uh, huh. Tomb of the Cybermen, number two. Uh, they agree with me. Number three, Power of the Daleks. Uh, they have Mind Robber at eight. And uh, was that all the ones? Yeah, those are the ones we had here. Um, yep. And Space Pirates at number 21. So, <laughs> okay. Uh, well, um, now, Russell, hmm. we, we shall... Was it we uh, move on to John? We will reverse the polarity, polarity of the neutron flow of the neutron flow. There we go. It has been reversed. I'm having fun with this background thing <laughs> for you audio listeners. Like, why is he taking so long? Um. So here we go, John Pertwee. Well, it's perfectly simple, really. Yeah. <clears throat> a time loop is it's um. Well, it's a time loop. One, one passes continually through the same points in time. Passes through the same... Yes. It seems that I'm some kind of a galactic yo-yo. Russell's favorite doctor. Yes, very much so. Um, and similarly to, like... It's kind of like Mind Robber. There's a story here for me that is kind of the abnormal, but it's actually my favorite story, which is the Inferno. That's my number uh, one. Uh, yep. 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 It's one of the love, best Doctor Who stories ever. Love, love, love. And like, I mean, they come back to this finally with the 10th Doctor, but this is the first time that we do a parallel universe story. And so like, until we get to the 10th Doctor with David Tennant, that idea is never mm -hmm. explored again. So the Inferno is the first time. Um, and it's and cold hearted. Like it's really cold hearted. And there's like zombie stuff. Like if you, it's, it's really cool. The It's filmed really cool too. Yeah. And uh, Stallman, as far as his obsession with, mm -hmm. and 
it's it's a good idea as far as being able to essentially use geothermal energy to possibly you know have a different sort sort of uh energy source that we'd be able to use instead of fossil fuels but like Mm -hmm. uh he, he goes off the deep end there and keeps forcing things and like he ignores safety precautions and that's actually where we start to get some of uh the zombies that as Brandon refers to mm-hmm. that happen because this green goo starts to seep up that they're not accounting for and whatever's in it uh, actually affects the humans and turns them into these ape like creatures that then start going around terrorizing uh, the compound. Um, and it's also interesting because you have a different version of Liz and the brig here. And the brig has an eye patch and um, they're, they're not on the side of the doctor when he goes over into the parallel universe, they don't even know of him. Uh, So it's, it's just an interest, interesting exploration of the characters and them getting to even play and stretch uh, as actors. So that's really why I love this story. Yeah, it's really cool. And Liz Shaw was such a good companion. It's like it felt like the show was if, if you if you if you go uh if you if you go back and you watch this season seven of Doctor Who, you're like, holy crap, this got really this is really progressive for this. It's like just wait. <laughs> it's gonna regress a little bit. <laughs> Terrence Sticks ain't gonna allow that. Um but it it's really crazy. And this was like I, I have labeled, like, season seven of Doctor Who is one of my favorite seasons of it all. And I think it's one of the most, it's well, I don't think it is one of the most important seasons in the history of Doctor Who because it was almost canceled after season six. But they're like, yeah, we'll throw it on one more year, try color. Just, mm. you know, it was just mm. like, let's just run this out because we have nothing else. And this saved the show. Like, it became popular again. And part of that is they then had, because of what happened with uh, the forced regeneration and the trial, as you mm-hmm. as you pointed out, um, the third doctor is forced to be earthbound and right. he can't even remember how to use the TARDIS. So he can't fix it to be able to even get off of the earth. So it's really interesting because then this is where we get unit and he has that core family that we have as regulars that it allows it to have a big main cast, like a lot of TV rather than just two people that jump from story to story. Yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, this inferno story. Oh my God, this is so cool. (laughs) Like I, um, yeah, I can't sing it enough praises. It's so good. Um, I also have so my number two is also from that season with Doctor Who and the Silurians. Um, it's it's up there. It's up there for me, but it yeah. did not make the list. Uh, this was this was a deep thought because I'm like the ending of this one really sticks with me. Um, yep. Because the Doctor gets pissed because the brig, you know, the leads and believe and they blow up this. They blow up. They get rid of this race. They commit genocide. The unit does. Um, with it and there's a whole lot of this is a big. This is a monster show. A little bit introduces the Silurians, um, which love the Silurians. Silurians, which leads to the Sea Devils, which um, becomes a whole thing. Which, um, yeah, they uh, this one just it has some creepy point of view barn scenes with things and um, good uh, good 
continued relationship between uh, Caroline John and John Pertwee and the Brig and the Doctor butting heads come into uh, with this yep. one a lot. But yeah, it's that the ending sticks with me and just this one's a pretty good, a pretty solid one to go through. It's a longer story, but uh, works for me. Um, but I really like that season seven. Just I could have picked three of those for this. Um, I really do like that season quite a bit, but Russell, for what's those, your... what I was going to oh. say for those who don't know the Salorians, the Salorians are actually a um, reptile race that evolved even before human beings. And... Right. Yeah. They were here first. Yeah. Yeah. They were here first. And so they were in hibernation in this story that Brandon was talking about with mm-hmm. the Salorians. And they even have a pet dinosaur that they unleash in the caves while like they're right. So there's a lot of really cool ideas and things that are happening in this story. Mm hmm. Yeah, for sure. So I'm right there with you. Um, but my my number two, good sir, mm-hmm. the Damons. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Both uh, I love what they do with the the crossing of metaphysics with then science, and um, then we also uh, this is a great master episode as well. Um, you have that living gargoyle. Mm-hmm. I mean, and there's the white witch that's helping the doctor there too. Um, there's a whole thing even about a maypole. Um, there is a mound, uh, and that's is how this is all actually. It starts off is uh, they are excavating a mound uh, where it's an ancient site, and they unintentionally disturb something that they shouldn't, and that is how the whole story kicks off with a alien presence that had been actually sent to evaluate earth as a planet as a whole and mm. how we evolve. And then this force decides that we are unworthy and is going to destroy the earth. So the doctor has to deal with that. And it's an ancient alien force. Gotcha. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, and it's like it's almost a, it's almost an instance of like because that season is a, a progression of the the master getting into a lot of stuff and this one's like did he go too far with it is he gonna like really yeah. regret because he's dealing with a different kind of uh, supernatural presence and things but uh, yeah that is a that is a cool creepy story with him like they got good shots of like when he's it's it's almost got a hammer type of feel yeah 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 (laughs) well and they got that little town too that 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 adds to it yeah the town definitely does but yeah the daemons yeah yeah this was a like i said the third doctor was hard to to choose from because this was in my consideration too it did not make it i real i just realized i don't have the master in any my third doctor story really how do you do that (laughs) how do you do that because uh my number three yeah. is Carnival of Monsters. Um, ah, yeah, yeah, which is a classic. The miniscope, and like I said, with the Tomb of the Cybermen, this is kind of one of those fun, just, it's fully confident, fully aware, knows its concept, kind of, yeah. you know, uh, you don't need anything else going in. Um, and Doctor and Joe are, don't realize it at first, um, but there, there's this kind of this story with these like carnies, space carnies going on. And you're like, what's this? And the doctor and Joe are on a cruise ship or a ship. And it turns out they are shrunken and in this little thing called a mini scope. And there's some cool model work going on. And, mm-hmm. uh, this is just a really fun science fiction concept. Uh, 
done better than Planet of the Giants. Um, and and this is where we also learned that uh, John's doctor has a, a fear of the what is it the Dreschigs, mm. those big the monsters the puppets that you're talking about. Yes, yes. Which that comes back later on um, in later seasons because as as I think even the mind of evil like he, mm-hmm. he has to then like in his mind face off with them again. Yeah. Because I almost, it was funny, I was making my list, and the, the the next one after this was Time Warrior, which I was like, I can't not have Joe Grant in my top three. Because, yeah. Yeah, Cause, uh, no. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah. I was like, because yep. season seven's this outlier, because what the really is the third Doctor era is eight, Joe nine, Grant. and ten. Eight, nine, and ten, the master... Joe Grant, lots of unit. Um, that's that's really what it. it that is what it is. Um, and and I mean, then, we get we get Sarah as well, but yes. Sarah's only there for that last season. That, so yeah. yeah. Um, and there's no master in that final season either of mm-hmm. his. So that's where I'm. That's where I'm at with that. So I picked Carnival of Monsters. What was your third one? For my third one, my friend, it's the first story with the master and the first story with joe so oh okay <laughs> terror of the autons the autons are the second story with the autons yep yep yep, yep. this is yeah good yeah yeah i mean well and you've got like things like the flowers and then suffocation with joe um you've got that the auton turning gummy. in the back seat yeah yeah, that little doll, the ugly doll with the, I don't know, little white and black eyes. Right, um, yes. Yeah, that, like, uh, the one character tells him to bring home to his wife, and or that was the master of the song. So, like, yeah, um, and that thing then kills him. Um, it It's just a wicked little story. Um, it's a lot of fun, mm-hmm. and how, like, they plan to have the autumn set off uh, by remote to attack everybody and have it where the flowers are set with the, the impression of a face. So they will shoot off that mask to cover up the face and suffocate people. It's, it's really terrifying what the master's up to with the autons. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, this is a cool one. Uh, Great intro. It's like a repilot almost for the, for the show with what they do here. Um, But he makes a Carlos Delgado. What an entrance. Ro- Roger Delgado. Ro- Roger Delgado. You're good. You're good. You're Ooh, good. Roger Delgado. <laughs> is Carlos Delgado, is that like a baseball player or something maybe? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but Roger Delgado, what a just masterful first impression ah. here. There we go. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I yeah, I, I like, I, it's I like Third Doctor. It's, it's really, he had a good run, Pertwee. He had a really good run. A lot of, a lot of quality. And- I, I would, I would say we'd be remiss not to mention that, like, because you mentioned that the master was not in the last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, Delgado uh, passed early. Uh, yeah, auto right accident. Yeah, after Frontier in Space, and I even wonder if, if originally the way that that story was uh, written, if we wouldn't have had him in Planet of the Dialects as well. So yeah. 
it it was a really unfortunate loss that we we did lose him because he was an amazing talent as well. Yeah, it was the first step of the I mean of the end of this era because if that happens. Um, Katie Manning leaves and mm. Barry Letts is gonna go. Terrence and then Pertwee's like, yeah, me too. <laughs> it all start. It all sort of like starts there um, with that, which is very sad. Um, that. Yeah, and he's still. I I still think he's the best master to this day. Like, I have, I have, I do I have, enjoy what they have done with other ones, but yeah, agree. I, I I think Delgado's just got some. It's just he's, you know, he is. He's got a cool, yeah, collected yeah. way of presenting himself, and that sinisterness that's there, where it's not over the top mm-hmm. in the way that some of the other actors have played the character. Yeah, Ainley. Ainley loves playing the part, and it's a joy to see him love doing that. But he's very, yeah. very much a cartoon. Like if, uh, yeah, like he's the serial killer, and then he's the cartoon based off the serial, killer, you know, or something like that. It's, it's uh, it is interesting. Uh, Doctor Who magazine tells us that Inferno is number one, so they got that right. We got, um, we both got that right. There we go. Uh, the demons, uh, demons is uh, number four. Okay. Uh, Carnival Monsters falls at number seven, mm-hmm. and Terror of the Autons at nine, and the Silurians at ten. Uh, oh. they, they have Green Death at two, and Spearhead from Space at number three. Spearhead is great. Spearhead is great. Mm-hmm. But uh, Time Monster is the bottom of the run here. That is, and they have Colony in Space very low. But I actually I like Colony I like in Colony in Space. space. Yeah. Like, so. That's one I've always seen very low, and I'm like, I like that one, but okay. <laughs> and tomorrow on The Brandon Peters Show, Brandon Peters and Russell McGee continue their conversation celebrating 60 years of Doctor Who as they list their favorite episodes from the 4th, 5th, 6th, and 7th Doctors as they continue on this adventure that's tomorrow here on the Braden Peters show. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters show is a creative zombie studios production produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Olsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetersshow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetersshow.com. show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found. <laughs> <laughs>